Hi, this is Jason Klink. I'm your host of At the Coffee Table podcast. This podcast is a virtual coffee table where we sit, or where I sit with my guests and discuss a variety of different topics. Um, this week, I am speaking with Ann Beaupre of the Syracuse Police Department. Uh, Ann is with their um, crisis intervention team, um, peer support team and uh, has been with Syracuse Police for probably as long as I was with 911. So Anne, welcome. I thank you for joining me today. Hi, thank you for having me. So let's see, you, you've been on the job 19 years, right? That's right, yes. That's right, so I believe you started during the same year or just the year after I started in 911, so we kind of grew up in this business together. We, yes, we did, yeah. In, in, in a roundabout way. Um, so give me, give everybody a little background on, on your police work, uh, your history and how you got into mental health awareness for the police department. Yeah. Okay. So I was hired at the Syracuse police department in January of 2001 and throughout my career, I've done a bunch of different things. In addition to, I've been assigned to patrol nights since the beginning of my career. So that's my main assignment, but I also do field training. I have I'm um, involved in patrol rifle. I am also part of the peer support team and negotiation team that we have at our department. And actually, I think it was about 2009, 2010, I couldn't tell you exactly like that time frame. There was myself and uh, five other officers at our department who started our peer support team. So um, we saw the need for it. And I personally, my reasons for becoming involved in that is not just seeing the need for it with my coworkers, but my father suffered from mental health issues. So it was a personal, personal battle that I wanted to help fight um, on those lines too. So that's, that's where that started. Great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, everybody has their, their personal story and the, and a lot of the times when you get involved in these, we'll call them extra duties. Um, it's, it could be for personal reasons and, or personal reasons that you have that you want to see the, the agency or the department, um, move forward. And, um, obviously this was a topic that was near and dear to your heart that you wanted to see, you know, the, the police department move forward and, and provide a better service to the officers and give them better resources. Um, I know that, uh, peer support in, in our 911 world, uh, and even with crisis intervention or, or stress debrief debriefing teams easy for me to say yeah. um within the in the fire service again it's kind of along the same lines over the last 10 years 15 years um it, it became more accessible and um more involvement uh, as far as agency goes um with these type of teams and these type of resources to provide better for um, the employees yeah so with the mental health awareness, I know I come from, uh, you know, a long um, involvement in public safety, um, being in the fire service and seeing bad stuff was part of the job. And uh, a lot of the times growing up with that, it was, you know, suck it up and deal, move on to the next thing. You can get over it, get past it. Um, I've seen yeah. people be able to do that, but I've also seen people fail at being able to get over and get past that. Right. Um, is that kind of similar of, of where the, the, the police service has come, come around, come full circle? Oh yeah. I mean, that was definitely, and still is, there's still, there's still, you know, still a battle, but that was definitely the mentality just as part of the job, like you said. And, 
yep, this, you know, this just happened, witness uh, this traumatic event, and then on to the next, and if you really don't talk about it or go back to it, it's just keep, keep on keeping on kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, and, and one of the, one of the scenarios that I can recall is, you know, I've had, uh, I, I have a friend in, in EMS that was on a, a super bad call involving a child, the child passed away. And this was a call that, that, uh, you know, ate her up for a long period of time, it took a long time to get over. And, yeah. you know, if, if that, that happens all the time. And it, I think that um, having these resources to be able to at least clear your mind of what you might have uh, encountered um, yeah. helps our, our people quite a bit. Right. I know that present, present day, um, there's a lot more access to these resources. Um, do you see the police officers in, in the Syracuse Police Department, you know, utilizing this access to these resources and, and using them to, to, their, to their benefit? Yes, um, I will say, like I said, I've been doing this kind of work since like around 2009, 2010, and I see a huge change. Um, like I said, even though that we, I think we have a lot further to, that we need to go still, I've seen a huge change in how many uh, law enforcement that will reach out and will talk about this topic, which is fantastic. And mm-hmm. um, I've had, I've had a lot, I've, I'm busy all the time. I'm, I mean, it's unfortunate that we're busy all the time with peer support, but on the other hand, I'm so thankful that people are willing to reach out and say that they need help or guidance or, um, you know, links to some resources that we can have. It's, it's makes me so happy that people are willing to talk about it and, and do something about it because we have to, we have to take care yeah. of ourselves. Yeah. Where do you see it going forward? How much, how much more needs to be done? Well, um, there needs to be a lot, lot more conversation, a lot more education about it. Uh, I can only speak from my perspective. You know, I can't speak from any other perspective, but I can tell you at our department, we're really lucky to have the support that we have from our command staff. It started with our former chief, uh, Frank Fowler, and it's continued on with this administration. Mm-hmm. They've been really supportive of peer support and trying to make it better and make it a total um, encompassing program so we are moving forward in that um i know that even dcjs has added a new topic that i'm going to be instructing for this academy class it's a two day two entire days eight hour days of um total officer wellness instruction which is huge we've never had something like that so it's being recognized on a bigger level and on our department level where we need to move forward and make things better so I'm hopeful that it's going in the right direction. Yeah, uh, that's fantastic. And I, and I know from from like the 911 world, it's come it's come a long ways because before peer support, it was you could give somebody an extra break to get off the floor and clear their head. You could give them mm. the rest of the shift off um, if it was super yeah. bad. Um, but it, it almost that was the beginning and the end of it. Now with peer support, um, not only from from the 911 agency, but from having access to the to the others. Um, and, and the uh, critical incident debriefings, it really helps folks kind of wrap their head around what they may have been, or may have been exposed to. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I know that, um, <laughs> some, I, I just heard that this past week, um, and I had somebody ask me, you know, why, why does it always seem like firemen are, are, they're known for drinking a lot. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and I think that, you know, back in the day, their coping mechanism was right. let's let's go out and tie one on after this horrible shift. Or um, do, is there any kind of stigmas like that within the police world? Oh yeah, I mean it's a lot of it is reality. Um, but I think it goes I think it goes a little deeper than that too. That people don't realize outside of our community, outside of um, what we do, is that it really is a way for like after shift for everybody to just talk about talk about things and it, you know that was their way of bonding and, and getting it out and kind right. of their kind of therapy so it's not it wasn't necessarily all about like it's not all about the you know the drinks which I it is part of that but right. I think it's it's just a way that everybody can just kind of come together especially you get also the dynamic to it the firehouse is different than uh, at the you know, police world like we're we're kind of on our own in, in the car like maybe with one other cop and dealing with it and then we go back and write paperwork and because we've done a lot of actually we've done a lot of work with the Syracuse fire department for our peer support team if it wasn't for them Mm -hmm. we might not even have our team actually they were huge help to get our team started and we did a lot of training with them and so this was one thing that we yeah they were they're fantastic so this is one thing that we talked about how the dynamic is different so after they go to a a, you know fire call or, or whatever kind of call that they go to medical call they come they all come back to the firehouse together so right. they're all kind of in the house together and they can talk about it where for us, we're kind of separated from each other. Right. So th- that is definitely a thing where, you know, for law enforcement, we get together after shift or, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of our work week or something like that and, and have drinks. But really a lot of what we do is kind of one-on-one counseling. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that dynamic where it's like during the shift, we'll pull up car to car in between calls. And that's kind of when we unload, you know, right. so to speak, what, what we just went through or what we witnessed. So th- that is, it is definitely a thing with the with the drinking for sure that we need to improve on. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, and you know, and and those, it's easy for those demons to get the better of people. I've had friends that those demons got, and they were on the one job or another. Um, yeah. And those demons got the best of them to where they had to go get help. Oh yeah. Because it got the best of them, and you, and you wonder what what the underlying cause was for, for those demons to get the best of them. Um, yeah. It was good for, it, it was good to see that they actually, they recognized it after a while they went out and got the help and they're on the way to, to recovery. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah. it's too bad it got to that point. Yeah. So we've, you know, we've certainly had our share of members that that's happened to at our department and thankfully we were able to get them help too. That's, that's one thing we do have a lot of resources for that kind of help too, which it's hard for, for all of us in our line of work too. We don't want to go to a facility where all the people that we help are going to like mm-hmm. that. That's tough. So I yeah. think that holds back people from saying they need that kind of help. Mm-hmm. So uh, as far as like peer support teams, that's something that we do have as resources where we can hook people up with the right kind of help where they're going to feel comfortable. And it's with other uh, first responders and stuff like that, rather than with the people, the people that we serve. So right. that, that is definitely an issue. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've seen, and I think one of the most disturbing things for me to, you know, from being on the other side of the radio and, and knowing what goes on in, in the police world, um, is the folks that they may retire, they may mm-hmm. leave the job. Um, they may lose their battles with their demons. They may ultimately die by suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, and I don't know what the percentage is these days mm-hmm. within yeah. police or public safety, um, but I think that's that's probably the most unnerving part of of the reality of mental health and PTSD among first mm-hmm. responders is 
those that leave, but they're still so, so distraught over a call or a series of calls that's cultivated or cultivated into them dying by suicide. Yeah. Um, again, like it's, it's hard for me to speak for outside of my perspective or what my expertise is, but I can tell you in law enforcement, it's actually, um, the numbers are through the roof for suicide. Uh, they were close to 300 suicides just in 2019 in law enforcement, which is huge. And we don't really hear about it. Um, and I, I don't know off the top of my head, the percentages, um, they do, there is an organization called bluehealth.com and they do all kinds of research and education on suicide prevention for law enforcement. And they actually keep statistics and the statistics are very high for suicide rate for law enforcement right after retirement. Um, so that's something that our agency and I'm trying to work on as a program for our retirees and some type of peer support ongoing program because it's definitely it's definitely an issue. Yeah. Do you do you think it's an issue, especially if it's after retirement? Do you mm-hmm. think it's an issue of not being able to disconnect? I think it's more than one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, trauma, which we all experience in what we do. Um, right law enforcement, dispatch, fire, EMS, we all witness so much trauma. Mm-hmm. And I, I try and tell people, because I've, I've heard a lot of cops say, well, I didn't actually see it. You know, I was on the call. I'm like, yeah, you don't have to see it. And this is what it's kind of a misconception. Uh, you can witness human trauma by hearing it, by having the story told to you. So like as dispatchers, you don't have to see something to have the trauma affect you as greatly as somebody who witnesses it. Mm-hmm. So that's actually a myth. And also another thing with uh, witnessing trauma is it's cumulative. So I hear a lot of cops say, well, why are they so upset about this? They've been on much worse or, you know, those kind of comments because it's cumulative. You can only stack so much stuff on top of an object before it's finally going to fracture or break. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of people don't realize that like after, like for me, after 19 years of patrolling nights in the city of Syracuse, I've seen a lot of trauma and, uh, you know, it might not be the most horrible thing that I've seen, like, you know, one day that, that I saw in the beginning of my career, but all that trauma that piles up and your body's going to react to that, whether you want it to or not, it's biological. So I think when it comes to retiring, first of all, it's a whole career of witnessing trauma. So there's, there's that. And I also think it's just, we're all type A personalities. And when you don't you feel a loss of, of purpose, And also a loss of like, you feel like you don't belong anymore because we all are a family. So I think there's a lot of stuff that people are trying to figure out and it's a huge transition. And I think a lot of times people aren't just, just aren't prepared for that transition too. So I don't know if that really answers the question or if I even have the answer, but. Right. No, but I I think you, you, you were right on by saying it's not just one thing and it's, it's, it's stuff that builds and builds and builds. So it could be, you know, disconnecting from from being engaged in that kind of environment for so long, maybe 20 years or 30 years. I think that, you know, you know, PTSD and and I'm sure you know this, but PTSD Mm -hmm. was always a military thing. You went off to war. That's where PTSD happens. Yes. But realistically police officers and Mm -hmm. first responders in general are, are more in a domestic kind of war zone. Yes. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. And you know, there's so many um, military veterans and active military that end up in our line of work and Mm -hmm. specifically in law enforcement. And I can tell you from, I speak to a lot of them and they've even said, um, I've had a few of them say to me that 
being in law enforcement was worse than actually being at war because they knew that there was an, there was an end to it. And it was, you know, okay, well, in a couple months, my tour is over and I get to go home and it's, and it's over. And, Mm -hmm. but here it's like, yeah, you've got so many years left of day after day after day of trying to basically you're surviving physically and mentally. So, so yeah, it's for sure. It's a thing in, uh, in our line of work. Yeah. We, we, we never in the 911 world in emergency communications, we, well, well, I won't say never, but we very rarely even spoke about PTSD. Mm. Um, and just nationally, I know it's come to light locally. It's come to light a little bit of, you know, yeah, that exposure to what's yeah. going on on the phone or that exposure of what, what happens on the radio, um, mm. it is, um, it, it raises, it's at such an intensity level that it, it is, it does have PTSD value. Oh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I have no doubts that it does. Um, and here's the other side of, of that with what dispatchers do and call takers, that whole line of work is you guys don't know the, a lot, you have, you have a lot of missing information. Right. So you're getting pieces of the puzzle and right. just not knowing is, is that's traumatizing too. So you have the trauma of whatever you're hearing and, and, and all that, but now you don't have the answers to what happened. <laughs> like what, how right. did this play out? Like that is a huge, plays a huge role in post-traumatic stress. There's right. all these unanswered questions when so your mind just anybody, anybody, your mind's going to wander and want to know like what happened. And you think the worst, or you think all these things that might not even have happened or be true. Yeah, no, that's definitely a, a huge, um, huge problem that we need. I think we need to work on and make better. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, you, you, I mean, you're hundred percent. It's, it's okay. You don't know what's going on. So now you're assuming what's going on or you're making yeah. it, you're making up these visions in your own head because yes. I mean, you, for a dispatcher to, to get a, you know, a, a, ch- a car chase that turns into a shooting and now you mm-hmm. don't know, you're trying to keep track of where everybody's at to keep them safe, but you're not sure until yeah. somebody tells you, <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, that that the 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 good guys are, are safe and the, you know the bad guys are caught or whatever it might be. Um yeah, yeah I mean that's that's 100% right on. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's definitely it's a problem. And uh, um when I went when we first started our peer support team, we actually did have um members of 911 come to the training too forever ago and I I really my my dream would be to have have all of us come together more often for um, peer support stuff. I don't know how to make yeah. that happen, but. <laughs> and and I've, I've had the thought to that, that, you know, municipalities, public safety, first responder agencies need to even go as far as to have some type of uh, mental health professional on staff. Yeah. Somebody that, you know, is works within the PSB that you could go up to mm-hmm. whatever floor and go have a conversation yeah. and clear your mind. Yeah. Um, we do have, so our peer support team, we have two psychologists that are part of our team. Oh, okay. Um, yep. They're not, they're, it's more of like an on-call thing. They're not available all the time during like certain business hours um, to walk in their office, but mm-hmm. so to speak, but they are part of our team. Whenever we hold um, debriefs, which we just started as part of our regular procedure. Mm-hmm. So when there's an officer involved shooting or what we deem a critical incident that requires that we're going to just automatically hold a group debrief for the officers involved in that now that's we just started doing that as of December that's going to be part of our our procedure now we have one of those psychologists actually at the debrief oh great so yeah so we are moving in the right direction like I said and mm-hmm. I'm I would love to have like exactly what you said there are other agencies that are doing that where they have 
a psychologist that is right there available mm -hmm. um, on at one of their buildings where you can walk in and talk to them, make appointments or, or whatever. And I think that is, that would be huge, um, a huge help, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Is there any other resources that you can share with the listeners as far as maybe websites or phone numbers that, um, you know, first responders, public safety people can tap into? Um, yeah, like I said, the bluehelp.com is huge for law enforcement and they have all kinds of links and stuff right on there. They have a Facebook page and they have a website. Um, so that's one of my go-tos for mental health for law enforcement. Um, and there's always, there's, there's actually a Onondaga County Suicide Prevention Coalition. Um, we do hit our community, I will say, Onondaga County the mental health professionals and social workers in our community are fantastic and they're constantly meeting and trying to make things better for our community in general for mental health. So um, I, I know that for a fact, I've actually been a part of their meetings where they, they meet on a regular basis, whether it's every couple of weeks or every month, and they're working on a bigger picture of trying to help our entire community with mental health and involving um, all of us first responders and everything. So, so I think things are going in the right direction and going to be better with that too. And there'll be more available help. Um, that'll be easier to get, I guess, so to speak, okay. it's just easier to triage that. And there'll be like one number that you'll be able to call or I know there's our, um, there's the helpline number that we have and I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I can get it to you. And there's a, there's a number that you call and, but it's kind of, it's not as good as it can be. And that's what they're working on making it better to triage everybody to that. So. Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, you know what, I guess I'll wrap this up by saying if, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you feel like maybe um, something's getting the best of you, a call is getting the best of you, a situation is getting the best of you, don't hesitate to reach out to somebody that can help, uh, especially a mental health professional that can help you get the tools that you need to um, work through whatever processes you need to work through individually um, to um, deal with and work through um, maybe the situation that you were put in that you're not so sure how to how to process or handle. Yeah. So with that, I would like to thank you very much for joining me today on my podcast. I think this is fantastic information. Um, and, um, you know, I really appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, getting this information out there. It's, it's so important and it will definitely help people. Yeah. So thank you. Great. As always, this is at the Coffee Table Podcast. It's our virtual coffee table where we sit down and uh, discuss a variety of topics and maybe come up with a solution or two. And with that, we will end our podcast session for today. And I thank Ann very much and everybody have a great day.